Welcome everyone to Phenomenal Flicks. My name is Tommy Tracy and I want to thank everyone for listening. I also want to thank everyone that has responded, messaged, and most importantly listened to my first two, well, two and a half episodes that I've done so far. Let me talk quickly about episode one, my scoop review, before I hop into the review I'm going to do today. I am well aware that it was disorganized, scattered, and quite frankly, it was pretty bad. Not as bad as the movie, however, but that's beside the point. Anyway, I wrote out a script for the review, as I feel that's best to do on a solo project, a solo review like that, and I recorded what I would say was a pretty solid first review, no stuttering, no ums, 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 no losing my train of thought. However, I'm new to Anchor, the app that I use to record my podcast, and instead of saving and scheduling a time for it to be released, I accidentally somehow deleted it. So as I awoke on Monday to see if it was still on schedule to be released, it was nowhere to be found. I panicked, as I do in situations such, and quickly recorded a very bad and rushed review, as you may or may not have heard. I can hear you now saying, well, Tommy, if you, were, if you wrote down a script, why, uh, why didn't you just reread the script? Well, again, for some reason, I didn't save the script that I had, which I normally do with my documents. They're always saved on my computer. For some reason this time, I did not save it. It's a rookie mistake. It's a mistake I will not make again. Regardless, Scoop was still a very bad film. I stand by that review, and honestly, I thank the people that reached out to me. Constructive criticism is the way to go. I appreciate it. And if you're still listening... As a friend, family member, or even a new listener, thanks for sticking with me. Everything else is going to run smoother from then on out, I promise. So again, welcome to episode three. Another thing that I have done is be quite irregular with my schedule. Sure, the episodes come out roughly the same time every Monday. I try to get them out on noon on Monday. But if you remember last week, I said this week's episode would be a full review of Extraction. It's not going to be that, as you probably noticed by the title. I was unaware that The Lovebirds would be released on Netflix, a film I was very much looking forward to seeing in theaters. Disney Plus has released Out, and HBO Max launched all things that I really want to cover. So don't worry, I have actually started to craft out a schedule that will be concise and on point. Everything I want to do will be mentioned at the end of this week's episode, and then the following week will be what I say it's going to be. I've also started reaching out to potential guests for the start of my bi-weekly retrospective series, as you heard from last week's guest, Mike, him and I, and the guests that I plan on having on this show, love movies. So look forward to some big blockbuster classics coming soon. I've already reached out to people to record stuff on Jaws, Jurassic Park, Harry Potter, Star Wars, James Bond, Scream. Hopefully around Halloween time, we'll get some Halloween movies in there, which if you don't know anything about me, Halloween is my absolute favorite movie. So look forward to those. Like I said, again, I will be telling everyone what will be coming out on certain days as we get closer to those. My last piece of business before I get started on my review is the launch of Two Week Media, a media group started by myself and my friends Beth Tamita and Katie Lagner, 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 sorry Katie, the latter of which hosts the Faking It podcast, a podcast about servers who serve people. If you're in the service industry, even retail, you'll get a kick out of this podcast. It's funny, it's enlightening, it's entertaining. Katie and her co-host Jess are fantastic. We thought it was best to combine our retrospective, retrospective, there I go again, respective podcasts under one umbrella. Bear with me, guys. I'm dyslexic. Like I said, I'm kind of reading from a script. So <laughs> when I'm reading fast, you're going to hear a little bit of mess ups. I kind of like those in there. They make me more human. I don't like a lot of editing. So again, bear with me. That stuff was not in the script. 
My dog's also licking me right now, so if you hear that, again, just bear with me. Anyway, back to two-week media. We're still very much in the early days of uh, this concept, but we are very excited to announce our newest podcast that we'll be starting very soon. It's called Ichapod. Again, that's Ichapod. It's going to be a podcast about J.K. Rowling's new child novel, Ichabog. If you're a fan of J.K. Rowling like we are, give that a listen. Again, I will let you know when that's going to come out. Um, If you could follow Two Week Media on Facebook and Instagram, please do so. That would be great. That would really help us out, as well as the Ichapod on said platforms. And give Faking It Pod a listen as well when you can. You can find that on Apple Music, sorry, Apple iTunes, as well as Spotify. You can find Faking It Pod on Facebook and on Instagram at faking underscore it underscore pod. It took me nine times to say that correctly because I just want to say faking it pod. Anyway, give all that a listen. Look forward to it on my Instagram. And now to the review. So I'm I'm reviewing The Lovebirds today, a romantic comedy directed by Michael Showalter. Thank you, Rylo. And starring Kamel Nanjiani and Isare as a couple forced to go on the run after they witness a murder that they are then blamed for. This film was originally scheduled for an April 3rd theatrical release. However, as we all know, it got pushed back. It released on May 22nd on Netflix due to the current pandemic that's going on. Sadly, nearly every ounce of me wished this had been in theaters. A good comedy, which this is, makes you audibly laugh, and it's a social connection moment when a group of people can laugh together in a theater like that. The film is incredibly funny, led by Ray and Nanjiani themselves, who have perfect chemistry together. And I I do mean that. They have perfect chemistry together. I'm not sure how much of their work was ad-libbing or Showalter's direction or the choice by the writing team, but I was entertained through and through for this movie, having a good time, much like the actors on screen. Like most comedies, not every joke is going to land. They rarely do. But when you have two very talented people on screen together... You're in for more than a chuckle. You're not going to groan a lot. They're fantastic. These two are insanely likable together. The film starts with their first date. and I'm not going to get into spoilers like we did with Guns and Kimbo, but I'm going to briefly tell you what happens. You know, they get, into their, they get into the first date. Love is in their eyes from the moment they first kiss. Then we're going to fast forward a couple years. And like most relationships, they're complacent. The honeymoon, the honeymoon phase is over. They're easily tired of each other. They are tired of each other's shit. This happens in every relationship. Just because you love someone doesn't mean that you're going to be in the honeymoon phase with them forever. And we see that on full force here. It's it's kind of a beautiful thing that Nanjiani and Ray are doing with their body language from the beginning of the film that translate 10 minutes later to the four year later phase. This is shown very well. Again, the chemistry mixed with the directing and writing truly show off a vulnerable side to the characters. As I mentioned, I'm not going to dive too far into spoilers, but I enjoyed the nice mix of comedy, action, and the racial tension that goes on in this film. What they do is nothing new. This is nothing you haven't seen in a comedy movie before or an action movie before, but it still has something important to say. I've already mentioned the comedy, but the action beats are very fun as well, especially a scene that focuses on both the fore and background, and it requires your careful attention to focus on what's going on on both. You're, you're kind of struck to what's going on that's hazy in the background. It's very out of focus, while also connected to what Ray and Nanjiani are doing on the, on the foreground in front of you. There are also some incredibly well-spoken points about racism here. The points are made for laughs for the most part, 
but I find it hard not to connect it to our current political and racially charged climate at the moment. I'm not going to get into a political debate here. My thoughts can be seen all over my social media, but I can't help connect it to, as I said, what's happening in the country this past week alone and hundreds of years prior. Ray, of course, is an African-American woman, Nanjiani, a Pakistani-American. They contemplate going to the authorities after they witness the murder, only to realize that their respective races will cause them more harm than good in their eyes. This has been seen in the news for many years, and it's something that they comment on, and you say, wow, I know they were making a joke there, but my eyes are open to the reality of their situation, to where if this happens, they are honestly completely fucked. Anyway, The Lovebirds was very fun, funny, enjoyable, loving, sweet, action-packed, and had a message to it. As I mentioned, not every joke landed 100%, but when they did, they really did. The two leads are lovable, no pun intended on that, and that's the most important aspect of it. Director Michael Showalter, talented, underrated filmmaker. I've enjoyed his work before, all the way back to Wet Hot American Summer, which is, in my opinion, one of the funniest movies ever made. Good news is, this film is easily accessible if you have Netflix, which is about 9,000% of the population. I'm giving Lovebirds an A-. Check it out if you really want to laugh. Check it out with your significant other as well, because maybe you can work through some problems together. I think that's a good thing as well. All right, on to my second, second point of business today, releasing the same day as The Lovebirds, was out on Disney+. Plus. This is an animated short written and directed by Stephen Hunter, and it has Disney's very first short to feature a gay main character. I'm just going to get this out of the way now. The grade is an A+. Out did so much right, as the main character, whose name is Greg, is struggling with telling his parents, uh, a doting mother and a masculine father, that he is gay. What follows is a 10-minute, beautifully crafted story that I have seen time and time again with many friends and, most importantly, family members that are part of my life and part of the LBGTQ plus community. There are some fun hijinks with Greg's dog, which lead, which lead the story into an array of like humorous near calls that ultimately help Greg come out of the closet to his parents. The ending shot, which made me tear up, is beautiful. And I hope that every member of the LBGTQ plus community sees that we love you. We're here for you. This is a beautiful thing that Disney did. I was I was honestly shocked that it came out. And if, again, if you have Disney+, Plus, please check it out. It's 10 minutes of your time, and you will not regret it. My final bit of business is on the launch of HBO Max, which dropped this past week. It's a new streaming service, the 252nd in our cultural zeitgeist at the moment. Um, HBO had a promising library to kick off its launch, I think. I'm very happy to say I, I do enjoy it for the most part. I get to watch The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air again, which is one of my favorite shows growing up. I'm already on the second season and it's been out for three days, maybe three or four days. Shows like Westworld are on there, The Outsider, The Watchmen, Game of Thrones, all the HBO content that you're used to are, of course, on there. They paid a king's ransom for shows such as The Big Bang Theory, Friends, South Park, Rick and Morty. I'm not a fan of The Big Bang Theory. I know a lot of people are. I'm not here to criticize The Big Bang Theory. Um, but that's on there as well, and I cannot imagine how much money they paid for that. I think the movie selection is pretty solid. Um, there are a lot less movies than I believe we were promised. I remember seeing something about 18,000 movies. Maybe that's over the course of time, but there's maybe roughly 600, 600, 6,000 on there, perhaps. 
Um, I didn't count them all. There's a lot of movies on there. Uh, there's some notable missing, though. The uh, Nolan Batman films aren't on there. The Christopher Reeves Superman films are not on there. We were promised most of DC content, but a lot of DC Universe stuff isn't on there, such as Harley Quinn, Swamp Thing, Batman Beyond, Batman the Animated Series, all things that I was hoping were going to be on there. Maybe I made all this up in my head. I can't seem to find any articles on it now that they said they were going to be on there. But um, again, it's it's a little bit of lacking, especially in the DC department. That's on me. That's not on HBO. But I do wish that they had more more DC stuff to offer. I'm also not a huge fan of the PS4 interface that they have. It reminds me a lot of Netflix's, which I think leaves a lot to be desired. The search button is great, and they have an A to Z list, which helps you find anything if you can scroll fast enough. But I think the watch list is pathetic, and it cuts off my watch list about halfway through. There's also no uh, Roku or Amazon Fire Stick app for this, which is a little surprising. So people with those obviously can't watch it. I mean, if you sign up for it, it's uh, $14.99 a month, which is a little steep. I pre-ordered it, so I get it for $11.99 a month for a full year. Um, but if you have a laptop, obviously you can hook that up to your TV, but it's not the same as having it accessible on an app. You have to keep getting up and moving the mouse around to find new things. It's kind of a pain in the ass. Um, I'll give HBO Max, at least at launch, a B. Um, I know more will be added. It will improve. Um, the biggest bummer is the lack of DC selection. Um, I didn't get a lot of chance to look over this over the week, Um the states are reopening, my city's reopening, I work in a restaurant, so it's been all hands on deck. I've spent maybe an hour or two at the most kind of scrolling through the stuff. I've noticed a lot of the classic film selection is pretty decent. Um, for the kids, they have Sesame Street, Looney Tunes, and a lot of Studio, uh, a lot of Cartoon Network, and all of Studio Ghibli except for Grave of the Fireflies. So that's fantastic, especially if you want to plop the kids down and entertain them with like some Sesame Street, especially the old Looney Tunes. That's going to be fantastic for the kids. So again, HBO Max is getting a B from me at launch. Last piece of business. I'm going to list 10 films I think everyone should watch on HBO if you do have it. These are going to be a mix of full Film School Tommy and Movie Lover Tommy. Those are two different people, I promise you. But these are 10 films I greatly enjoy and I cannot recommend enough. So here they are. Two or three things I know about her. Black Girl. Broken Arrow. The Brood. The Frighteners. Mon Uncle, My Neighbor Tortoro, Prisoners, Safety Last, and The Seventh Seal. To close out, guys, thank you so much for listening. This one ran nearly 15 minutes, I'm looking at the counter, and I hope you guys stuck with all of it. It's not nearly as long as the epic 59-minute one Mike and I did last week, but I hope I gave you a lot of information on a very good film, a fantastic short film on Disney Plus, and the new streaming service that we've added. I'll be back next week with my review of Becky, the horror film, and yes, I will be doing Becky. Remember, everyone, Black Lives Matter. Stay phenomenal.